All right, here I am. Here we are. Here we go. Today's going to be interesting. This is For the Win. I'm Eric Winalda coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here at the Win, the own, the one and only Win, right next to the Encore, the Win Hotel Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Don't need to go into the weather today. I don't have the time, and I'm not in the mood. I'm actually pissed off. Hold on to your hat. You might want to listen to this one. And there's going to be a message to some of you dumbasses on Twitter who really need to understand how the world works. But a lot going on in the world. We, we did have a couple of things just to review over the weekend so I can actually pretend like I'm doing my job for 10 seconds. Everton and Spurs, great. Conti's back, 0-0. Zero, zero. Great. Oh, good for you. Have some donuts. It was not even worth watching. Manchester City beats Man United. Everybody wants to kill Gunner still. Chelsea drops points against Burnley. And I'll get into that in a minute. Our own Christian Pulisic. Pulisic. Forget the Pulisic. It's making me sick, talking about Pulisic. The Milan derby was also kind of a, a dud, with a, a one-to-one. Boring! And then on the domestic front, let's get to that. For all of you get people out there who don't think I ever talk about Major League Soccer, I actually paid attention this weekend. I was trying to guess how the scores were going to go. And some weird ones in there. How about um, Bob Bradley losing 5-2? to two. Well, Stay tuned, because this is going to get weird. Oh, and one more thing, I forgot. Liverpool lost to West Ham. Guess what? West Ham's good, people. All right? The bubbles were all in effect. The hammers are real. And don't like look at that and say, oh, I can't believe Liverpool lost to West Ham. A lot of people are going to lose to West Ham this year. All right, but let's go through it. Now that we are, are finally in the uh, middle stages of November, which is always the dumbest part of the year for Major League Soccer, if you really think about it, they start in bad weather and they finish in horrific weather. Just think about that. When nobody's watching, at least we finally figured out how to start the playoffs after baseball quit we might get some people and some eyeballs watching the games but on most occasions we start our playoffs right in the middle of baseball so no one's watching that's an everyday thing they don't you know they take a day off every once in a while but it's it's hard to find the window and tv people are pulling their hair out they can't sell the the advertising but then we get into football at its best and we're trying to sell soccer and it usually doesn't work and we'll have a snow game Uh, it's it's coming up but here's how it all plays out. They, the MLS playoffs are officially set. So New York City, not bad this year. Uh, they get in. Atlanta United had their recovery. They, they fired Heinze and figured it out. Congratulations to them. Number three seed, Nashville. Gary Smith. Do not underestimate this man. He's very good. He's very good. And they get Orlando. Philadelphia Union and a very heartfelt letter to the fans from Jimmy Curtin, which I thought was pretty cool. They get the Red Bulls. So that's two versus seven. Portland Timbers recovered. They looked like they were, were, were going to falter, but uh, Giovanni Severici figured them out. And they get Minnesota. So that's four versus five. Sporting, who's been up and down, but pretty much solid all year. Kansas City will get Vancouver. Well, congratulations to Vancouver for figuring it out. Seattle will take that second spot, and they'll get Real Salt Lake. So there's your playoffs. Playoffs? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about Playoffs? You kidding me? That's your playoffs. You'll figure that out. One little thing to note at the end of this season, San Jose Earthquakes did not make the playoffs, but they did announce the retirement of 38-year-old Chris Wondolowski. Congratulations, my friend. Scoring a, and you know, he extended his record to 100. Uh, what is it now? Wait, let's see. Let me figure this out. 171. 171 goals. Some can call him the GOAT. You can, you can say whatever you like, but he is, he is hanging him up, which means one thing to me privately. And that means my words with friends, buddy, will be available a hell of a lot more. So for those of you who are already impressed with Chris's uh, soccer ability, he's pretty uh, goddamn good at putting words together as well. 
kicks my ass every once in a while. I don't know how he does that. So uh, congratulations on a wonderful career, Chris. Enjoy it. I hope somebody's smart enough to figure out how to, to put you into that staff. As a teammate, I've been told that you are terrific. I know you as a human being. Uh, I've interviewed you n- numerous times. People need to see the value in what you bring to an organization and how much you've given up and all that stuff. It, not to be just cast aside, but to be brought into that setup. And it's going to be hard if Almeida's still there. I hope they get rid of Almeida and they, they find somebody else. But Chris finds his way into that, uh, into that setup. A lot, to be, a, a lot you can learn from someone in that experience. Someone that was truly never really given a realistic chance of being this good. And he just kept proving people wrong year after year. All right, so Eddie Howe went to uh, Newcastle. Xavi went to, went to Barcelona. Let's just stay tuned there. Everybody's like, yay, he's back. Yeah, that's how they act until you, you lose three straight. And then, they're, then they want to you know, dump you in the street. Aston Villa sacked their manager, Dean Smith. Five. It took five. All right. So it's, it, and Norwich is trying to figure their stuff out. Carly Lloyd, I'll talk about her. She's retiring, and that's, uh, that is pretty damn cool. But the reason why I'm pissed off, and the reason why I started this whole podcast with a, quite a, um, a bit of venom, if you will, is because I want to explain this, okay? And, and this is a really important. Of course, the U.S. national team is coming into a very important week. We play Mexico. We got Mexico on Friday. It's a big game. Everybody knows that. So to many, this is, this is it. This is, this is the game that everybody wants to pay attention to. It is our, rival, our, our rivals to the, to the south, and, and they have been better to, than us on some occasions. But it's been, up, it's been back and forth over the last 20-some-odd years. Even in my day, we played against them 11 times. We only lost twice. I love saying that, by the way. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, we just recently, uh, you know, the, we got you know, to be good enough to beat Mexico on a regular basis. No, that's not true. <laughs> Been beating them since 1991. Catch up. And some of you people think that the league or soccer didn't exist in, in, until 1996. Actually, 2000. There's a lot of people confused there. But the Christian Pulisic situation has got, uh, gotten under my skin. And, and maybe it's for a couple reasons. I lived this as a national team player trying to stay healthy and help a team qualify. The schedules didn't always mesh. And it was always hard to stay healthy because these were big games. We would go into games against Guatemala or Honduras or El Salvador or Costa Rica. We were bloodied. We were beat up. And we didn't have 50 horses in a stable. We had a band of brothers. We had like 12 guys that could do it. They kept rolling us out there hurt, but we, we did the best we could. You can have your opinions about you know, how good we were, but, but at this point, it, it really doesn't matter. But with Christian Pulisic's situation, his manager, Tuchel, comes out and says that I hope that the United States is responsible. And it invoked a response. And people chimed in. And some people even went so far as to say, how dare you tell us what we can do with our best player in our most important game? How dare you? What are you, are you serious? They buy this guy for 80-some-odd million. They pay his salary. He is their property. He just happens to be made of American parts. The national team, as important as it is to you, is still a part of a business where somebody else bought the machine. And he's a high-end machine. I get it. He's a Maserati. But when, he, when, you, when, when they signed the paperwork to buy that Maserati, 
They understood what they were getting into. Every once in a while, somebody else had to borrow the car. And then they looked at it, they evaluated it, and they said, well, it's only a couple times a year. And then the other time, when they play in the big events, we're not even playing, so there's no conflict. So is he worth it? Yes. Let's spend 80-some-odd million dollars to purchase the car. Now, here's how this works. These guys show up at their doorstep and say, hey, right here in the contract. It says right here in the contract, you got to share the car. So we're here. We're going to take it for our spin this weekend. So hand it over. So we give them the keys. They have the car for the whole weekend. And then they bring it back. And they go, hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I, had, I was really fun. Really, it was great. Let's pretend it was a race car. We had to win a race. Oh, by the way, um, you're going to need new tires and the oil lights on. Yeah, there's no oil in the car. The owner of that car says, well, at least the car's intact. Thank you. I understand. I fulfilled my agreement. And... We're going to put this car in the shop because that's what you do when you have to fix a car. So the car goes idle for two or three weeks, not to mention there was a couple of races in there that they wanted to participate in. But guess what? They couldn't because the car wasn't functioning. So they had to fix the car at their own expense. So they fixed the car. And right when they get the car ready to drive again, these guys come back and say, here's the contract. It's that time again. We need the car. I'm going to take it for a spin. There's a guy outside right now with a Bud Light. I'm drinking coffee. I, I, much, I would so much rather be that guy. Right? Right? Yes. Love you guys. Enjoy Vegas. Anyway, these guys come back. They want the car. And you've read the car. You understand the deal? You, you know, we didn't even get to race our car more than 20 minutes in the last month. But yeah, okay, okay, okay. I understand. We'll give it up. And oh my God. God forbid I, as I pass those, or these people, they pass these keys over, say, can you please be more responsible with my million-dollar car this time? They have every right to say that. Every right in the world. Now, here's how it works, dummies. Because if you keep bringing the car back, and if let's say you bring it back this time, and we say, oh, everything went great, the, 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 you know, we, there was, the car's got oil, but uh, we kind of went over a curb, the right fender's got a big bump on it. It's kind of a bruise. Going to have to fix that. Look, the next time they call and they show, show up at your door and, the, and they say, hey, it's our turn. We want to drive the car. You know what they're going to say? Sorry. The car's still in the shop. You can't have it this time. So being nice enough to let us take the car out on, on a loan that costs somebody else millions of dollars, and we keep crashing it into a pole, we really need to understand how complex those negotiations are. Oh, and my God, no, Greg Berhalter doesn't have a clue what he's doing. He's trying to manage an unmanageable situation. It's a lose, lose, lose for everybody if this goes wrong. Being responsible is not always an assumption. It needs to be something that's talked about. Now, anybody that's a parent out there that has a, you know, a teenager knows exactly how this conversation goes. That's that look, man. It's, they walk up to you and say, Dad, can I borrow the car? And you go, sure. Hey, listen, be responsible and be, be, uh, be safe out there. It's what you say. And your kid gives you that look of, yeah, sure, Dad. Yeah, okay, just pass them over. And then, of course, 
they went to a party and somebody opened a door and there's a ding in the side of the car. And nobody wants to fess up who did it. I know what I do. I lie. The next time he asked me for the car. Dad, can I borrow the car? Oh, you know what? It's still in the shop. No, it's not. It's in the, it's in the driveway. No, it's not. We saw it running around yesterday on, at practice. He seems fine. Why can't we have him? And they lie. No one likes to talk about this part either, where your club pulls you in, not allowed to do this, and they certainly would deny it if, 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 if anybody ever said that these conversations happen. You know, it's um, getting a little tiresome if you traveling back to America, getting hurt and coming back. would strongly encourage you to consider the implications of your actions. What does that mean? Figure it out. So the next time that they ask for Christian Pulisic to come out and, and play, they're also within their rights to say no. We're tired of you wrecking our car. We're tired of paying for the tires. We're tired of it running out of oil and not running properly. They tied Burnley this weekend. They're pissed. They would have much rather had a car that was just sitting in their garage waiting to be driven at their beck and call, not somebody else's. And I get it. Look, I played in these games. I, I limped back to my club, and there's no worse feeling than that because they're paying my salary. And in the MLS, the fact that I got hurt so many damn times, and when I got traded, what the hell was I surprised about? I got actually traded two months after an ACL surgery, which means they were so tired of me and, and getting hurt that they were willing to trade me and, and, and somehow figure out a way to talk somebody else into taking me. So when I say all of these things, this is not me having a go at the dummies on Twitter. I'm trying to educate you to help you understand that this man's career is more important than one game. I know it's important to you, but real decisions need to be made about the health of our players, and they need to be done in a responsible way. That's the right word that Thomas Tuchel used, responsible. Because when he gets hurt, someone is going to get held responsible, and it certainly isn't going to be Chelsea Football Club because they understood what they got into when, when this started. But if Thomas Tuchel doesn't handle it right and Greg Berhalter don't handle it right, it's their asses that are on the line. It's the bottom line. Coaches, oh, yeah, we could say whatever you want. They're hired to get fired. The truth is uh, they're trying to make responsible decisions, and they're trying to take Christian Pulisic's health into consideration, which I appreciate. I had some dummy named Lori Calloway, who was so bitter about the fact that I played for the national team that he made my life miserable. And in the end, all of this talk about me going to the national team, getting hurt and coming back, it actually had a double effect on the, 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 the story I can tell you. In 1996, everybody was trying to promote the start of this new league. And the MLS guys, the way that we were paid way back then is there was a, a separate budget. So we were only paid $175,000 a year. That's it. That was the highest paid guy in 1996. 
we had to figure out other ways to make money. And we did. I had a great um, contract with Reebok and I had all, all kinds of other endorsements that I did that, that made it all make sense. I gave up a little over a million dollars to come back for this because that's what I was making in Europe. But I wanted to be a part of this and I wanted to see the league start on the right foot. And I wanted, to, I wanted a lot of things. But I got a part of this marketing money that, that I, I was on the hook for. So we had to go. Uh, some of the guys that, that uh, were a part of this, I remember Marcelo was a part of this, Alexi, uh, Jason Kreiss was a winner. So what they did is they came up with a bunch of funny names for us, and we had to do a, these short snippet commercials. I don't even remember what my silly-ass name was that they gave me. But I had to be in Tampa to do this. Right? So my coach of the San Jose Clash at that time, which is now the Earthquakes, gets wind of it and says, I don't want him to go. It's not your choice. He needs to go. He's, he, it's, it's a contractual. He he's, 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 has to go. So, I get on, and so the only way that he allowed me to go was to take a red eye and be the first commercial at the old Tampa Stadium. So I take a red eye. You ever taken a red eye from San Jose? Guess what? You're going to have to bounce through L.A., and there's no direct flights. So I take the red eye all the way to Tampa. I roll out of, they were nice. They, they actually picked me up with a limo, which was cool. I slept in the limo. They put the uniform on me, and I do an hour-long commercial at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning at the stadium. My coach had also demanded that I was back same day. So they take me to the airport, same limo, kind of cool. I get on a plane around noon. Have to bounce through. I think it was Dallas. Again, it was always Dallas. Ever been in Dallas Airport? It's a lot of walking. There's a lot of walking. A, B, C, D, E, F. Good Lord. Anyway, I finally arrive at the airport in San Jose. And I'm picked up by my assistant coach, Francisco Matarano. And he's in his gear. And I said, what are you doing here? Why isn't my wife picking me up? He said, no, um, we're going to practice. I said, what? Yeah, um, Lori needs you to run the stairs of Spartan Stadium. Because it was impossible for him to explain that I got two days off and the other guys had a hard practice. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I got mad. I put my gear on. They took me to the stadium. And on the last three steps of the 20th run up the stairs, I tweaked my groin. And I was out for three and a half weeks. And somehow, that was my fault. So when you end up in these situations, and of course things are different now. We have plenty of knowledge and expertise and understanding of you know, when that red light goes on, it's not visible, but there are doctors and people and trainers who can actually tell us that he's running low on, on fuel here. They don't push it. But my biggest fear is that Christian gets hurt. And I want you to go back to the last go-around. Go back to that Honduran game. I'm glad it was a minor little deal and he was out and he couldn't walk it off and he, because it might have been a lot worse. 
Because there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when they borrow the car and it's time to turn it in and they don't bring the car. They just call you. And they say the car's not coming back. That's what I fear. So I know it's an important game. And we in the United States is going to play against Mexico. And hey, Joe Scully's back in the team. We're in the team. Something to cheer about. And hey, we might get to see three of the Fab Four on the field at the same time. But I implore them, please, manage this responsibly. And if Christian Pulisic doesn't start, the internet is going to explode. It is. And all you idiots out there are going to say, I can't believe Berhalter's an idiot. Yeah, right. Okay. And some of you are going to say, oh, we don't need to surround our children in bubble wrap. Yeah, well, we don't spoon feed them poison either. So listen, folks, please, okay? When something goes wrong, you hire an expert, right? And those experts, they know how to do their jobs. And if you don't know how to be a plumber, don't stand over the plumber's shoulder with a flashlight saying, hey, are you doing this right? Don't be that guy because we're working here and that's what's going on. You're not having any effect whatsoever on, on the coaching decisions anyway. And I actually trust Tuchel and Burhalter and the staff and Dr. Bert Mandelbaum to figure out what's in the best interest of the player. And trust me, these guys have made mistakes in the past myself included. We don't have time for mistakes right now. Now, the good news is, is we can beat these guys without Pulisic. So, so calm the hell down. It's pretty much that simple. Look, I hope that analogy works, whether the car or the plumber. I don't know if it, if it resonates with you at all. But this is a game to enjoy, right? And when we get in games like this, as a fan base, we have to be supporters the word fan comes from fanatic. Be a supporter. Support the team, regardless of who's on the field. We beat these guys twice with two different teams. Right? I, I get it. It was, a, it was wonderful on both, both ends. The Gold Cup was actually a pretty scary game. Probably should have lost, but we didn't. This game presents its own challenges. Whether Christian Pulisic is on the field, if he's not on the field, think about the effect that your negative behavior has on whoever that poor soul is that's replacing him. Because he now holds the responsibility to help our country. And it's not an easy thing to do. All right, that's it. That, I really just wanted to give short, sweet. I wanted to let you know that I'm pissed at you. I think you're out of your minds for, for questioning professionals. That's what you do sometimes. In the meantime, even though I'm, I'm full of piss and vinegar today, I still appreciate you. I enjoy these conversations, even though I'm having one with myself. Be good humans out there. Be good to each other. Enjoy this game. Love this game. Love each other. And maybe good things will happen. All right? Are we good? Great. Don't give the car to your kid unless you trust him. End of story. We'll hear you next time.